Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dell Assistant Nation podcast. My name is Kevin Henry. Honored to be the host of this podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We always appreciate it no matter where you found this podcast. Apple, Spotify, Google, DrByCuspid.com, wherever it is. We're thankful that you're taking a few minutes to listen to a very important topic today. And I'm honored to have Sarah Stream, MPH, on with us today. Sarah, how are you? I'm doing well, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm excited for this talk because I think this is such a timely topic. And and obviously, I know you've done some writing for me for Dr. By Custard. We've been publishing. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But before we dive in, I'd love for our audience to know a little more about you before we really tackle this hot topic. Sure. So I am currently a dental infection prevention specialist for the state of Nebraska. And that is a, it's a really weird position to be in. I don't know of any other dental infection control specialists out there. Um, but what I do is I work with practices in the state of Nebraska to um, update and assess their infection control programs. And I started off this career journey as a dental assistant. I graduated in 2007 with uh, an associate's degree, got my state license, got certified by DNB. Um, I really enjoyed the education aspect of things. So I went on to get my uh, bachelor's degree to be able to teach and then um, ended up getting my master's of public health degree. And that kind of launched my career into this public health realm. So it's been a really fun journey and I'm happy to be here. Well, thank you for all you do to keep uh, our, our team members safe as well as our patients safe. It's such an important job right now. And, you know, I'm real curious because I have so many dental assistants who reach out to me and say, I want to do more. I want to take a next step in my career. How did you, what was the path for you to really get going? Was it just your love of education that kind of pushed you down to see what else was out there? You know, I think it was. I've always, I've always been the dork that loves school. So... (laughs) I'm always looking for a class. I'm always looking for a program where I can, um, you know, add skills to my skill set. And um, unfortunately, that quality is not smiled upon very often in the dental assisting world. Um, There were practices I loved working with that I just had to leave because they weren't willing to allow me to grow like I needed to. And Um, just for all of your listeners out there, I want you guys all to know that that's okay. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) uh, I think that people, you know, they get into a practice they really love and then they think that that's it. That's their home. And it may be your home, but it doesn't have to be a permanent home. Um, and if they don't support you in growth in your career, then it's probably not a great home to be in. Sarah, I love that. That is fantastic. And and just the smile on your face, if you're watching us on video, you can see that this this is something that's really important to you. And and I'm sure where you are now, did you envision this was where you were going to be 10, 15, 20 years ago? Oh my gosh, not at all. Um, I actually, um, when I started this whole career path, I had just had my first baby, my son, um, who is almost 18 now. And getting ready to graduate high school, which is weird. But yeah. at that point, I was like, new mom, have a baby. I need a career, not just a job. And I saw a commercial on daytime television for a dental assisting program. And they said, we could get you in class in eight weeks. And I was like, that sounds great. 
So that's really where it started. Once I got into it, I just found out that I loved teeth. I loved dentistry in general. Um, I just, the patients are great to work with. I do miss the patient care aspect of things, but um, I'm also really happy to be helping practices create safe patient care because that's so important. It absolutely is. And, and that's something that I love. You know, you and I connected. Uh, you know, I could tell that your passion for informing the public, making sure that dental practices knew the right way to do things was so important. And, and I want to encourage everyone listening to this or watching this, make sure that you're going to drbycuspid.com, drbycuspid.com, search for Sarah Stream, and you will see the, the articles that she is doing as we help battle misinformation out there. And Sarah, that's a big thing right now. We know, you know, politics and everything else aside, misinformation is is a tough topic right now. And I know one of the things that inspired you to to take on this uh, this role with us uh, writing these articles was just some of the things that you're seeing in social media groups that are just a little bit head shaking, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm sure everybody out there is a member of at least one dental group on social media. And I see people asking questions all the time. And it's great that they have a forum to ask those questions. But it's amazing to me how much misinformation is in the comments. Um, and when we talk about employee safety and patient safety, there are certain things that shouldn't be hearsay. They, need, they have proper protocols. So that way we don't have people getting injured or those adverse events. So I really just wanted to kind of help answer those questions the right way, um, make sure everybody was informed. Some of those things actually happen to be federal requirements. So if you're if you're not following those, um, you know, OSHA is kind of a big deal. It might be time to check out that OSHA binder. <laughs> and, and is battling misinformation just as simple as OSHA binder? OSAP.org. I mean, is it just as simple as going to the professionals instead of going on social media? I think so. I I mean, I think that people feel like they have a voice in those forums. Um, they're able to ask the question and get quick answers. Quick answers aren't necessarily what you always need. Um, I, and I answer those questions day in and day out for my full-time job. Like, people email me, and I'm that's what I do. And so seeing people ask those questions on social media who don't have access to those resources or they don't know where to look has been really disheartening that, you know, people just don't know. And so I wanted to try to um, get that information out there, answer those questions for them and get them the resources they need. So Sarah, really dumb question here. It, I know that you said you kind of focus on Nebraska. Is there somebody like you in every state or, or where can dental assistance kind of look to have those allies in the right information the way. So I have a unique role in Nebraska. I work with the Healthcare Acquired Infection and Antimicrobial Resistance Department, which is separate than the Department of Oral Health. So traditionally that team looks at, um, you know, we've had a case of MRSA in a hospital and they would track down where that infection came from, do we need to test others, do we need to notify patients, like all those sorts of things. And Nebraska is really the first program that has brought in the dental aspect to that. Um, so uh, there are HAIAR specialists for each state, but I think that dental teams 
don't know that that's a resource. They have people that specialize in infection control. So if you call them and ask them a, a question, they should be able to answer it. They may not have the resources to answer a dental-specific question, but they can probably point you in the right direction. And one thing that I have heard from so many of these younger dental assistants that are coming in is that they're getting the training from the previous dental assistant who was there. Nothing wrong with that at all. But we also know that sometimes how people have been trained or currently trained isn't the right way. And so I, I just always encourage people, make sure that you are finding experts. OSAP.org, fantastic resource. That OSHA binder. Uh, you know, should is is the state dental board an option as well? I'm wondering what other things that you would recommend for a, a new dental assistant other than Facebook or X right now. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so OSAP is a great resource. I would encourage everybody to become a member. Um, their member resources are great. Even their free resources are excellent. Um, and if you love the social media, follow OSAP on social media. They're constantly posting tips and articles about how to create safe dentistry. Um, I think that the state dental board is probably not the place you want to go for guidance. They work more with legislation. So if you have questions about your licensure or what the statutes are, they would be able to help you there. Um, other avenues to go down, um, I would reach out to maybe your state dental assisting uh, association see if they have resources or somebody that may be able to help. Reach out to your public health department and ask them questions. Um, I would really love to see a me in each state. That's kind of a, Absolutely. a goal that I have. But if there's not an identified need, then the states aren't going to know they need it. So having dental professionals call your HAIAR department and ask those questions will help them start to identify that they have a need for a dental expert, um, reach out to, uh, if you have mentors, mentors are great. They may know of great education. Um, I know not everybody has that luxury. <laughs> I would be happy to be mentor anybody that has questions. <laughs> well, um, and, and that's one thing I wanted to make sure everybody knew. We are going to make sure you know how to get a hold of Sarah at the end because obviously, Again, a tremendous resource. I've I've loved what she's done with Dr. Bicuspin. I want to make sure all of our readers and I'm sorry, listeners, uh, know how to reach you as well. I appreciate it. So that. I gotta ask I gotta ask the big the big elephant in the room question here. What's what's the most egregious, the biggest piece of misinformation right out that right now that you see floating out there that we need? Oh gosh. There's so much. <laughs> so much misinformation. <laughs> a lot of elephants. There are a lot of elephants. Um, I think the biggest one that I've seen, which I wrote about in our, the first article that I wrote, was um, the need for an exposure control protocol. Um, you know, I hear time and time again, I've been in offices over and over. I've seen it in Facebook forums all over the place. Um, I got poked with a needle or stuck with an instrument and someone in my office told me not to worry about it. Or they said, well, that patient does ha doesn't have hepatitis B, so... You really don't need to get tested today. That is absolutely not true. Um, and really, it's a multifaceted um, answer to this question, right? Patients oftentimes don't know if they have diseases. Even They may report 
everything they know, but they may not have been to get tested in years and years. They may know and they may not want to report it because they're embarrassed. So even if you ask your patient, that's not always 100%. Um, OSHA requires that everybody have an exposure control protocol. So that should be a part of your initial training and annual training is what do we do if we have an injury? How do we get tested? Where do we go? What reports do we need to fill out? And then as far as your own staff safety, if you have that incident, there are potential prophylactic treatments that may need to be started within hours of the exposure event. So, you know, if you determine that your patient does have something to be concerned about, they can start you on prophylaxis soon. Um, but if you don't go get tested, you'll never know. Yeah. And, and I know, you know, the crazy thing is some people are, are afraid of the answer. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, well, why we don't talk about oral cancer exams in the practice because you're afraid to find something. And yet I, I would think in, in this situation for your family's sake, for your sake, everybody else's going down those proper steps is the most important thing you can do. And like I said, in a very timely manner. Absolutely. You know, this can have potential consequences that can last a lifetime. And as healthcare providers, we're all supposed to be vaccinated against hepatitis B, which lowers our risk a lot. But there are other bloodborne pathogens out there. The big three we worry about are hepatitis B, hepatitis C, and HIV in the medical profession. Um, but the risk is never zero. So even if you do have an exposure and you're on some of these prophylactic treatments, um, your occupational health provider should be working with you on what medications you'd be taking, what follow-up tests you're going to have. And then they should also be talking to you about the precautions that you need to take moving forward. Um, there may be consequences with your personal relationships. Um, you know, if you've had an exposure like this, you may need to have protected sex, even if you've been married for 30 years, just to protect your partner. Um, so there are a lot of different consequences that can come out of this. And taking those right steps can help protect others as well. It's all about right steps, right information, the right way to do things. I'm kind of sensing a theme as we talk today. And, and that's not a bad thing at all, because you said something earlier that I thought was very interesting and it was, I'm going to, you know, kind of paraphrase your words, but the easy way isn't always the right way and, and doing things quickly isn't always the way that we should do. Them. Absolutely. And I think that there's also a lack of not only, there's not only misinformation floating around, but there's also a lack of education on everyone's part. Um, you know, I know that practice owners their heart's in the right spot. They know they need to have an OSHA plan, but that was never a part of their education. They're just kind of thrown in as an owner and they're like, all right, we have an OSHA binder. They don't really know what's supposed to be in the OSHA binder and it may not have been open for 10 years. <laughs> so, um, and that's okay. If you don't know, you don't know, but now's the time to start asking those questions and figure it out. You know, my, my wife goes into dental practices, helps them with software. And, and the joke is, and it shouldn't be a joke, but it is that that three ring binders up top with dust on it and everything else to kind of blow on it to look inside it for the first time. And that just can't be the way that we do things. Oh yeah. yeah. And I remember 
the very first practice I worked in, um, the doctor had been practicing since, oh gosh, like 1979. And when I was hired on, I was hired on to replace the lead assistant. So there are extra duties with that. I wasn't just chair side, you know, ordering the HIPAA coordinator and I'm the OSHA coordinator and all these other things that go along with it. And I remember pulling the OSHA binder off the shelf and looking at it and they're not small by any means. (laughs) And I opened it up and the last training was done in 1997. Oh my gosh. Wow. And so, you know, so my very first job out of school and I'm sitting there and it's just an overwhelming process. Like I have to do all this stuff. I don't even know where to start. And the easy thing is to close it and put it back on the shelf and say, well, yeah, we have no binders, <laughs> but that's not the best thing to do. Um, I think breaking it down into those baby steps so it's not as overwhelming, reaching out to people that can help. Um, there are tons of free protocols and policies that you can find online that you can tailor to your practice. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And, and some of those people you can reach out to, as Sarah mentioned, uh, you know, she, uh, she's offered to be that, that lifeline for you, I guess, uh, the, the mentor, whatever it might be, but a way that you can ask questions and know you're actually getting the right information from uh, a person who's been there, done that. So Sarah, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What's a good way for people to find you, learn more about you, and yes, reach out to you as well? Sure. Um, So I think the best way to learn more about what I have going on would be through my Facebook page. It's Stream Education and Consulting. And you can also reach out to me via email, stream.education.and.consulting at gmail.com. There you go. Yeah. And we will make sure to put that email address link everything in the show notes so you've got an easy way to find it uh, because we know the misinformation that's floating out there and and you all have a hard enough time finding things normally Uh, we're going to make it easy here uh, at Dell Assistant Nation podcast Sarah seriously and and all kidding aside thank you for all you do because we need people like you I feel like now more than ever uh, with the rise of social media and everybody just kind of throwing their two cents into the wind sometimes it feels like course i'm happy to help wherever i can and thank you so much for having me on the show absolutely and again please drbycuspid.com free uh free site where sarah has written a couple of articles sarah stream uh, will have her name in the show notes you can search for that uh some very interesting things including very timely one as we record this right before the holidays what about those dental unit water lines when you go on holiday vacation a uh, very good thing to find out. So until next time, Kevin Henry, founder of the Dental Assistant Nation podcast, honored to be the host and honored to be helping dental assistants around the world be more confident and better at what they do. Until next time, thank you for listening.